Welcome to Exploring Beyond the Edge with Dr. Cynthia Andrews. Are you ready to explore the conscious path around you? Open your heart and mind and awaken your curiosity? You've stopped into the right place. Now, here is your host, Dr. Cynthia Andrews. Well, hi there and welcome and thanks for being with us again. This is Cynthia Andrews and I'm here again with Colin, my co-host. Um, so before we start, I just wanted to um, say a quick thank you to three people who have helped um, my technical and graphic design of my website. Um, they've made it incredibly beautiful and usable, and that would be Abby White and Jeff Smolin and Wayne Mason. Before we really get going this week, um, we had some comments from last week that we and a little bit of unfinished business, and Colin's going to take it from here. Yeah, well, good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome. Uh, thank you very much for being here once more, and I hope for another 11 or dozen weeks ahead. Uh, Cynthia and I are sat in front of the beautiful warm wood fire again in Connecticut, cooling now into the fall. It's 7 p.m. here in Eastern U.S. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. in the U.S. Pacific. It's midnight in the United Kingdom, where we have quite a few uh, listeners. 1 a.m. over the channel into the English um, into the over the English Channel, <laughs> better rather than in it, <laughs> <laughs> to Paris and mainland Europe. So with everybody comfortable, open minds and open hearts, I hope, uh, we begin. We begin. But uh, it is on a, a sad note just initially here. Um, Don Christian uh, telephoned in yes, uh, last week and uh, told us on air, actually, of the sad passing of a long-time colleague and many years, Bob Dean, uh, Robert Dean, known to most as Bob Dean, passed away on the 11th of October, just over a week ago. Um, Cynthia and I want to convey our sincere condolences to Bob's wife, Marcia, daughter, Lisa, and son, Eric, also his many friends. Robert Dean served in the U.S. Army, retiring as command sergeant major. He served as Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers in Europe, uh, known as SHAPE. And it was during his time stationed at NATO between 1963 and 1967 as an intelligence analyst that his interest in the existence of unidentified flying objects first began. He caught sight of a top secret document about UFOs. And after that, he dedicated most of his adult time, most of his life, in fact, adult life, to bringing to light the UFO phenomena and UFO contact with extraterrestrial intelligence. He served on the board of directors of the National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomena Research Group until his dissolution uh, in 1980. He was a member of MUFON uh, for 20 years and was involved with the Institute of Noetic Sciences, a parapsychological research institute co-founded by former astronaut uh, Edgar Mitchell, another area where he and I have mutual associates. I liked Bob a lot. We got on well and enjoyed time together in various parts of the world, usually before and after presentations in those countries. In the 1990s and 2000s, I was only aware that Dr. Stephen Greer, myself and Bob, among the most prominent international presenters who were talking publicly in terms of consciousness being directly associated with the UFO and ET subjects. 
and each of us, of course, in turn, received quite a fair bit of flack for expressing that view publicly from within the UFO community at that time. Change never comes easy. As he and I shared quite often during that period, Bob was a good soul, a good man, and a courageous one too. Another member of the team has left us and will be missed on this side. Thank you, Colin. Well, I only met Bob a few times, maybe a handful of times, and I could certainly see he was a very special person, so thank you. Um, if you want to call into tonight's show, um, first of all, if you, if you would like to email us, email explorationsandenergy.com and make sure to put in the subject line radio question, otherwise I'm not going to know what it is. And if you want to call, the number is 888-346-9141. So after last week's um, program, there were a lot of different things that popped out. We had a lot of comments into our um, email. And we're really looking for expert guests to fill in the shows to answer some of the questions that people had. You know, a lot of people really agreed with the stipulations, which is great. Um, people have been very interested in the idea of a holographic universe and each of us having a unique perspective that develops the evolution of the whole. People were very intrigued by Dean Radin's concept of a bow wave, although one of our one of our listeners felt he related more to the um, wake of the of the of the wave than the bow of the wave. But we are very excited to say that Dean Radin will be joining us upcoming. And thank you, Colin, for arranging that. That was a good one. I'm very much looking forward to it. And people also commented on wanting more information on the idea of a conscious universe. And next week we have Teokas and Ghost Horse coming in to talk about consciousness and the conscious Mother Earth. And that will be a really excellent conversation as well. So we will continue to schedule guests that speak to the topics that you tell us you're interested in. So please continue to um, let us know what you want. Next week, 1029, Teokas and Ghost Horse. He is a peace activist. He's an author, a musician from the Lakota Nation, and he will be talking Earth Consciousness. On 11.5, we have Mark Crowley. He is the best-selling author of Lead from the Heart, and he is going to be sharing information from heart math and from his own work about how to really be a leader. And you don't want to miss this one either because we all need to be leaders right now. And then on 11.12, um, Dean Radin will be joining us. With He's the author of Conscious Universe, Entangled Minds, Real Magic, and the Chief Scientist at the Institute of Noetic Sciences. So we have three weeks of really exciting shows coming up. And then there's today. <laughs> so, uh, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, so tonight, actually, we're talking about intuition and accessing the inner wisdom of the body. And, you know, the main reason that we want to do this and that we want to do this right now in this program is because, well, first of all, we are inundated with information in the world. We're inundated with multiple versions of the same reality. And in order for us to discern any level of truth, we need to be able to access that inner wisdom and utilize it. And as we go through the upcoming programs, we're going to be talking about things um, that definitely defy everyday uh, reality, and we're going to be needing that intuitive insight to guide us through that process. And so that's why we decided to dedicate today's program to intuition. 
So intuition is really the result of how our body receives and processes energy information. We talked last time about how um, the world is a vibration and our body receives that vibration. So frequencies are received and turned into emotions, inner knowings, body sensations, and felt perceptions. So, you know, personally, how that information is received and converted is utterly fascinating um but it's a little much probably for this show but if you are also fascinated by it um visit my website it's there's a lot of information on the website there's a lot of information in my books and we actually have a webinar series starting on november 22nd starting with a class called energy basics and enrollment is open take a look maybe you would like to join us um colin why do you think intuition is important I think it's vital as far as our growth is concerned. We live currently in, at the end of one extremely long cycle, which has become more and more contaminated, uh, influenced uh, by others, uh, coloured in, in, in big ways. Uh, it's, for me, uh, intuition is uncontaminated potential, effectively. It provides at some level personal security. It's the inner voice the subconscious that knows everything, uh, and nobody owns it. It, it, it. We don't. We don't, of course, have complete knowledge of where the control for that intelligent, intuitive process begins or where it will end. But it's there, and it has provided new insights, new inventions. Let's face it. Um, so it's very important for our future, and, and I'm pleased that it it has you know you've you've decided basically to bring it up early in the process of these programs in the series of these programs because it's vital as we now begin to make inroads into the future. Yeah, you know what you just remind me of. So as a naturopath, intuition certainly guides the process of of discerning what's wrong with someone or what their solution will be. It isn't the end end result it's actually the beginning it, it it helps you decide on what questions to ask and knowing what questions to ask is probably the key um well certainly to being yeah yeah to being free with things Absolutely. Um, and and most scientific discoveries the scientists talk about how how they were inspired with intuition yep. you know in, in major leaves so Let's take a quick minute to remember the stipulations from last week. We agreed to suspend disbelief and agree that everything is a vibration and our bodies are receivers of vibrational information. The universe is holographic and conscious and all aspects are interconnected. So, a lot of people um, listened and took our intuitive index assessment um, that was on my website and that's really great. And if you haven't taken the assessment, you might want to do it. It's, it's a useful tool. And I created it because so many people came into my office saying that they're not intuitive. But when we stopped and took a look at their experiences, to look at how they make decisions, how they form relationships, you know, how they determine what was important in their life, we discovered that they are very intuitive. They were just receiving information differently than the way they thought information was supposed to be. I think probably most people have an idea that clairvoyance or having visions is, is what intuition is or, or just knowing things is what it is. And, you know, those are two very valuable ways, but there are many other ways of receiving intuitive information as well. So the assessment will help you ask a whole lot of questions and helps you identify what type of intuitive 
you are. So where your strongest attributes are, where your weakest attributes are. And, and, and certainly we all use all of them. But if we can be balanced in how we use all of them, we're going to get the best outcomes. And so, you know, even just taking the test uh, is is insightful. You, you took it, yeah, didn't you? Yes, Carl? I did. And uh, I've got to say, I, I, I really, truly did find it uh, very helpful and enlightening because whilst I've had, you know, since I've been involved in the research since 83, I haven't before that time particularly had any unusual, particularly unusual experiences that uh, influenced me in, in a big way. Um but, you know, having had a lot of experiences since 83, um, I had not really thought very much about what I was responding to in each of those, you know. Um, and so I kind of basically relived a lot of them as I was going through the rather long, long form. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was it was um, it was interesting to see the, the, the score, you know, uh, increase as you're inserting your numbers I, I i really have not thought that much about it um i having said that uh the starting point where i i think we should have been on to this years back with pat delgado and i and busty taylor in those early days of researching the crop circles because we often felt and i think there's the clue we felt like somebody was observing us we often said this that it felt like Somebody, somebody or something was sat on our shoulders. So there was a, there was something happening there, which fired us up, which led us forward, continued day by day to stick with it. This wasn't a flinching phenomena, you know, that uh, was there one day and we forgot about it the next. Something it seemed to be interacting and pulling us on. And so with the dowsing, the remote viewing, the UFO experiences, the interactions, the meditation, the voice phenomena, all of those <laughs> things that have happened, Thank you, you know, it's, uh, it, this has been part of all of them. And we can get into them later, well, that, perhaps. That's if very got exciting. Another... <laughs> well, it excites me. All right. Well, not all of us have these amazing experiences every day, but Colin clearly does. Um, so, you know, what I have identified are five routes um, that you will have made clear to you in the assessment. And these five routes are our inner knowing, where we just know something is true without any rational reason. Um, being a feeler or an empath, feeling things inside of our body as if it were happening to us. A sensor or a sensate, which is somebody who feels things through their body, receives intuitive information through the body. A clairvoyant who receives information through visions and a clairaudient who hears messages. So we have these five types, the inner knowing, the empath, the sensate, the clairvoyant and the clairaudient. And again, all of us use these all of the time, but some people use one so much more than they use others. And when we can begin to balance them, uh, it just it just rounds out the information that we're getting. Um, so you did. What was your index? Uh, well, let's just have a look. I I went right the way through the form and uh, you know did the whole thing as you intended it to be done, and I found that uh, you know I came out at the end of it. Um, and I'm sure, you know, these people listening that uh, listeners that went through this themselves, I came at number one is the a feeler. Number two was a seer clairvoyant. But last was a sensor. Now, I don't quite know how you would hmm. read that with regard to the experiences and, you know, my 
Mm -hmm. or a level of success or otherwise in those experiences measured against what this is telling me. Mm -hmm. So you feel things in your heart first. You have an emotional connection to things, and then you have a vision in your head of what that connection means. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's interesting because I certainly am first a, a sensate. I feel things in my body, and because I feel them in my body, then I get a vision. And so I feel yeah, my body and feel it in your heart. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. I mean, does that, would that, um, how, how would you read then the fact that I've, I try to look at myself and how I feel compared to others feeling all kinds of situations. You know, being an ex-firefighter in the early days of, uh, of turning up at road traffic accidents with trapped individuals, you know, the, the fact that I felt as much for each one of those people mm-hmm. in pain, it was almost impossible to do my job. Uh, so, you know, the, I, I've tried, even politically, and I don't want to go there, and, you know, particularly uh, tonight, we're not gearing ourselves for that. But I, I try to say, what, what is different about my response to this political situation and others. And what I feel, and I, I hope I don't come across, you know, in the wrong way here, but I feel it's because I care. I care about, you know, I care about the planet. I care about other people. I care about our children, mm-hmm. uh, our animals, mm-hmm. you know. And so that, I guess, comes from the feeler instinct. Mm-hmm. I'm reading it that way anyway. Yeah, actually, that when we we'll talk more about that in a little bit because you're really you're really tuning into some of the downfalls of that, where you really feel things so deeply that it almost takes you off yeah. of the ability to um, work on it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. We're closing in on time here. We're going to be on a break soon, so I don't want to really get into new information at this moment. But you've also had strong experiences as as a knower. I remember when we came home from... Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, when we came home from, I don't know what Your we were mom's. doing, my mother's house to our house. It was about 11.30 at night. It was. And you turned to me and said... Yeah, no, it was bizarre. I've never understood it since. But we we'd spent the evening at dinner. Um, yeah, actually, perhaps I should continue. Do you think after the break? On I this? guess we'll continue. I can just after say, the break. yes. I mean, it, yes. I all think right. It's best. Well, so way. we're going to be going to a break now. Stay around because we're going to go through all of these uh, five intuitive um, aspects and look at different examples of all of them. Be sure to call in with your questions or email in with your questions, and we look forward to talking to you again very soon. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com We all have the inner ability to use the gifts within ourselves to serve ourselves, our families, loved ones, and our communities. Once you have discovered these gifts and talents, you can promote harmony, peace, and hope. To find out how to harness your own gifts and talents, tune in to Get Ready. Get ready for your breakthrough with host Felicia A. Hill, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and share with others. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something that is unexplained that is missing in your life, you'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. 
Show and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Exploring Beyond the Edge. To reach Dr. Cynthia Andrews or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to energyexplorations at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Well, thank you. So we were talking before the break about the different five types of intuitive awareness, and we were just starting to talk about inner knowing or clear cognizance. And so if you are a knower, you probably in your regular life rely a lot on your mental abilities to engage the world. You probably have a lot of insight and creativity, um, and you receive your intuitive information as flashes of insight that seem to come out of the blue. And you just simply know things that you haven't been told. And that was kind of taking us to a situation Colin and I had had where I had, we had come home from my mother's house. We were in the driveway. Yeah, and I think to add as a backdrop to that, that I had a, a soft spot uh, for Princess Diana uh, I had uh, arrangements were secret at the time. Arrangements were in hand uh, with um, a contact for Prince Charles for me to show Prince Charles around some fields in England uh, because circles were appearing on his property and other members of the royal family. And of course, I was hoping that Princess Diana would accompany him uh, to that arrangement. But as Cynthia was saying, we, we came back from her mum's at, at dinner and uh, pulled into the driveway of our home just about uh, two miles away. And for reasons completely unknown to me, it just came out of nowhere. This is just uh, about 11.15 p.m. I said, uh, turned to Cynthia and I said, you'll have to be my Princess Diana now. And that was it. Uh, In fact, the hair's staying on my arms. I'm talking right at this second. But... uh, well, we didn't know. We went to sleep. We had a, I don't know whether we had a quick drink or not, but we went to bed and uh, got up in the morning. Um, as Cynthia was going down, it was her turn to get coffee. And, uh, you know, I, I said to her, I, I can barely lift my head off the pillow. I feel so depressed. And with that, the telephone went. This is Shannon, which is um, Cynthia's brother. So I think you should tell Colin that Princess Diana is dead. And I, I cried immediately, I'm being perfectly honest. I, I just burst out crying. And this was 11.15 p.m. U.S. I had said it at 5.15 a.m. in Paris, the time difference there. Um, you know, this was an hour after uh, Princess Diana had died at 4 a.m. French time. So the, the, the knowing uh, can be quite profound and inexplicable. Mm-hmm. And the hairs that stood up on your arms just now when you said that, that would be the sensor, right? right. And so you do actually use it. You're just yeah. not aware of it. Yeah, and no, it that's confirms a very good for point. You. It confirms for you the other, the yeah, other knowing. Very good point. Okay, so um, people who are knowers have tremendous conviction in what they do. It's like Colin didn't stop and ask, 
why he felt that. He knew he, he knew something had happened. He, he was able to act upon it, or if there had been something to act on, he would have acted. So the tremendous conviction makes, makes the people with inner knowing born leaders. But the downside is that knowers don't spend a lot of time in their body. Uh, you just did, but um, they can have a difficult time relating to others, and they can find emotion confusing. They can neglect the needs of their body, or worse, you know, abuse it with overwork and short-circuit their intuitive flow. Uh, for me, the hardest part of being with people who are unbalanced in their inner knowing is that they can become really didactic. They can think that they know better than others and and can offer their perceptive insights where it isn't necessarily wanted. They can become close to other people's opinions and perspectives. So if you are recognizing yourself there, it might be something that you want to work on and work on it by becoming more balanced in um the other aspects of intuition. Um, so let's see. The other downside to being a knower is that you receive information so easily that you can become imprinted by other people's thoughts. So the most important thing about inner knowing is to know yourself, to stay grounded in your body, and to practice mindfulness. But if you scored lowest on inner knowing, then you may second-guess your insights and be easily swayed by other people's opinions. Your mind is probably very busy. You probably have a hard time um, stilling it for meditation practices. And to strengthen your inner knowing, you're going to want to practice present-time awareness, so to be present in the moment. So there's one also to add to that, Mm -hmm. Cynthia, if if I just jump in here. On the downside... Uh, many of our listeners will know Reg Presley, a close friend of ours, he was the best man at um, my wedding, our wedding. And um, Reg and uh, Bren, uh, sorry, are you? Oh, no, no, you're fine. Oh, okay, I thought you were wanting to jump back in there. Um, at uh, midday, roughly midday, uh, one o'clock, in fact, one o'clock news in Britain, uh, Reg heard, he claims to have heard that there was an enormous Flixborough incident near Liverpool in England. It was a very large chemical plant that exploded. About 2,000 properties were badly damaged. Many people were killed. And this came out, um, as, according to Reg, he heard this, knew about it, had I'd actually called Brent, his wife, and said, you know, did you just kind of like hear that, this terrible incident? In fact, what actually happened was that the incident happened at 4 p.m. that afternoon, Saturday the 1st of June in 1974, which came out on the evening news. And the incident had not happened uh, at three hours earlier when Reg already had perceived even the, having watched the incident reported on television news, he's not actually alone in that. Since this was put place, he wrote this up in his book, um, Wild Things They Don't Tell Us. And yeah, that's very appropriate for Wild Thing is song. Um, sorry, I lost my track there. But anyway, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the incident that is the downside. Well, so basically what you're talking about is that he suddenly knew information that 
um, he didn't know what to do with. And, and so basically that's kind of more of a feeler of an empath. Yeah, sorry, Cynthia, uh, I just remember what I was going to say, is that the uh, incident, what, when he wrote it up in his book, others who read the book, uh, contacted me after Reg passed away to say that, uh, you know, I, I wish Reg had known that he wasn't alone with this. You know, this this happened to us too. This happened to me. That I saw that, I swear I saw it on the news midday. In fact, it didn't happen until late that afternoon. So there's something screwed up with the time sequencing, the I don't know whether we're, we're kind of like on the fringe of other reality there. It's a very hard one to figure out. Yeah, and 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 again, so what, what had happened to him is that he had had an empathic understanding. He had known that something was going to happen, but he didn't. Well, actually, not really. Right, he saw the he saw the whole thing. That's that's what he yeah. certainly always well, said. And Bren, who he called at the time, said, "Yes, he did. Yes, he did call it. He he says he saw this." You know, the midnight, a bit uh, midday news. Mm. Okay, well, so let's just move on to the next type, which is the empath. So people who are empaths feel what other people feel. So, you know, they have a high degree of emotional intelligence. They easily understand the needs and concerns of other people. They're extremely intuitive in relationships, and they enjoy making other people happy. So they're happy when the people around them are happy. Um, so in whatever job an empath person has, they're usually the person that holds the team together. But the downside is really what is really that they're overwhelmed by other people's feelings. And if they're around people who are depressed, who are anxious, then they become depressed and anxious. And they can't separate what's them and what isn't them. And so they have a very difficult time clearing it because it isn't theirs to clear and so being able to make good boundaries and hold good strong flexible boundaries is probably the most important energetic thing that a feeler needs to do Um, a lot of people who are feelers actually end up hating their intuitive gift because of that feeling of overwhelming fear and powerlessness um, especially right before a large scale disaster which is kind of what I thought you were getting at with Reg it's like a lot of people will feel something coming and have the apprehension but not know what it is, or even if they know what it is, be completely unable to um, prevent it in well, any way. You, you are on to something there because, you know, just sticking with Reg for a moment, somebody I knew so well, he wrote, it didn't become a big hit, but he, he wrote uh, Living in a Dust Bowl mm-hmm. uh, because he felt way before climate change and global warming were, were names that we heard regularly and now are seeing regu- regularly. He wrote a most powerful number uh, based upon the vision that he had mm-hmm. of the future. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, so if you were low score as a feeler, you probably don't understand the complexity of other people's emotions and, and really kind of find emotions inconvenient. You probably don't know what to say to other people who are facing tragedy. Um, and probably, maybe, possibly, you suffered some kind of an emotional trauma that's stored in your body and so that you're kind of less able to use that perceptive avenue because it isn't very clear. So clearing yourself, practices of energetic clearing are the way that you will open up the feeler side of yourself. 
All right. So the other one, the next one is the sensor, which is where I have a more high score in. And so we receive through physical sensation, you know, tingling, hot and cold flashes, goosebumps, other bodily sensations that alert me to pay attention. When I feel those things, I stop and I pay attention. And then I often get a vision in my head of what it is to pay attention to. Or if I'm here, if I'm talking to someone and they're telling me a story and I know that what they're saying is true, I'll get a rush of energy or a rush of goosebumps through my body. So oftentimes other types of intuitive information are validated through body senses. Um, The other thing that sensors are really strong with is synchronicity and omens and noticing things in the physical world and how they connect to our internal world. Um, So, you know... Maybe I'll be walking along and I'll suddenly feel a tingle and I'll look down and and there's a feather sitting right there and and maybe the feather means something important like a a spirit passing or something like that. So those kinds of synchronicities and and how the body works with them are are big for sensors. Um, Sometimes sensors will hold an object and be able to tell you a lot about that object or about the person who that object belonged to. So sensors go by feel. They don't necessarily have to have a vision, but each foot is placed where it's put because it feels right to put it there. They, we tend to trust our gut feelings and our instincts um, and, and use them a lot in what we do. The biggest problem for sensors is that our bodies are just one big antenna. And, um, you know, pain that is suffered by the Mother Earth or friends or animals or patients all find their way into our bodies. And we had a friend in, in Malta. Do you remember George Trafford? Oh, absolutely. Trafford? Yeah, I mean, talk about the downside of being too, too uh, attuned uh, to sensitivity. He was a, an excellent dowser himself, but George de Trafford in Malta belonged to a spiritual group who we are still in mm-hmm, touch with. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I experienced walking with him alongside the A272 in near Winchester, in England, we're looking down into an amphitheater where crop circles that appeared right since 19 in the 20s, 1920s, way before mm-hmm. the more recent uh, outbreak, you might say. Um, and as soon as he literally walking with us to look down into the amphitheater, would cross. He wasn't aware of this, and suddenly he nearly finished up on his back, uh, hitting a very powerful ley line that runs through there, and uh, it literally. Uh, we thought he was going to finish up in front of the vehicle. And he was almost, you know, dropped to the ground. And the same happened when we were together with mm-hmm. him in Malta. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it was this appearing to be oversensitive uh, to earth energies in his case. Yeah, so that is the downside to being a, a sensor is, is that your body can take on a lot of... Um, of the trauma of what it is that you're feeling or or a lot of the energy, the excess energy gets stored in your body. So the best thing to do if you are a sensor is to, to help you is to stay centered. You need centering and clearing activities energetically to keep yourself, your instrument clean. Um, our next one would be clairvoyance, and that is visioning, and, and people who are clairvoyant receive information either through the physical eyes or through visions in the mind's eyes. And when the skill first opens, 
it, you know, mostly people are seeing flashes of light in their peripheral vision or bursts of color around people. And then they might have brief brief visions of things that are, you know, about to come or where they're with some, you're with somebody and you suddenly have a vision of their life or something important for them. You might see auras, you might see you might have visions you might have dreams of future events usually people who are who are clairvoyant have strong lucid dreams they have a lot of um dreaming visions that turn out to to have relevance um clairvoyants often perceive people who have passed over they might see spirit guides or other spiritual beings they can see the whole picture rather than focusing on the steps along the way, and they're guided by vision. They don't worry about details. So the major drawback to to being a clairvoyant is projection, is, is taking your vision and projecting it out into the world so that you're seeing your own internal construct rather than something that's really there. And that happens primarily when people are overly invested in the outcome. You want something so badly that you begin to create its reality. And you know all of the all the intuitives are are you know ha- have to worry about that, but vision visionaries seem to create that more than other more than the others. So the way to avoid that is to practice non-attachment and non-judgment. And those are practices that help in all spiritual work, so those are always good things. Grounding and centering will will help you with that non-attachment and non-judgment. And if visioning is your weakest score, you're probably not a conceptual thinker. And you might complain that you have no imagination and you can't visualize and that's ridiculous we all do so the thing you want to do is actually cultivate your daydreams cultivate your imagination imagination is the springboard to intuition and if you can sit and allow yourself to daydream and then stop being in control of the daydream and just allow the daydream to move forward on its own that's visioning and very soon you'll be getting information that is a surprise is that a kind of overlap do you think with uh, meditation Uh, i think meditation meditation relaxes the mind and opens the door to allow you to use your imagination right right yeah well these are these are all interesting points and essential for the more in-depth discussions that we have ahead of Mm -hmm. us Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm you know really looking forward to to what we've got coming because oh, uh, this is going to involve us all and then you know, please you know for those listening that have contributions to anything that we're talking about by all means you know give us a call and uh, become part of the discussion it's only by sharing that our world will grow that's very true so we're going to go into break and when we come back we're going to talk about the final the clear audience the final intuitive clear audience and then we're going to talk about some of the pitfalls um, that we all have to face as intuitives okay thanks so much we'll see you in a minute Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration that opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time with award-winning authors Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the Empowerment Channel. It's time for you to take a sweet and honest look at your life. Tune into Living Within the Sweet Spot with your host, Nikki Clago. Each week, Nikki invites you to call into the program where she will connect with each listener to show the power of God's love in every unique instance. There are gracious gifts and elements of power within each one of us. You just need to discover them and find your life's purpose. Live healthier and happier. Listen every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com again that's jeff spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Exploring Beyond the Edge. To reach Dr. Cynthia Andrews or her guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to energyexplorations at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Hi there, welcome back. So we are talking about the five modes of perception or intuitive perception, and we are on the fifth mode, which is the listener, the clairaudience. And if this is your strongest score, your intuition reveals itself in three really kind of different ways. Um, In one way, you may hear what seems to be external noises and voices, Someone who is not present might call your name or say a distinct phrase next to your ear. It's really happening inside your head, but you hear it outside of yourself. Sometimes you hear clicks and Morse code sounds that don't mean anything to you. And really what they're doing is alerting you to the importance of the moment. And so you don't know why. Just take notice. Notice what you feel. Notice what you are thinking about. Notice what you're doing at that time. Write it down because it's going to make sense later on. You get a lot of Morse codes, don't you? Yeah, but not in recent weeks, certainly. But yes, it comes and goes somewhat, but extremely um, mechanical. I mean, it's clicking away Mm -hmm. just simply like Morse code. Mm -hmm. Morse code in my ear. 
So another way that clear audience manifests itself is that you hear a message inside your mind. Um, you might think of somebody and suddenly hear a message for them. You might be talking to someone and suddenly hear a message. And I'm putting here kind of in quotation marks because you may not actually hear it. You may actually see it in your mind's eye, see a sentence, but it's words that you're seeing. It's not a vision. It's, it's actually words. And so while inner knowing comes in the form of a certainty, clear audience comes in the form of, of words. Um, so sometimes you have a complete sentence form in your head. Sometimes you might hear music. A lot of musicians hear the music inside their head before it ever is brought out on, on you know, paper or into... That's our friend Reg again. Yeah. You did yeah, have a few was, of those. Yes, he did. Love is all around came exactly that way. Yeah. And then the third, the third clear audience manifestation is really kind of like channeling. It's bypassing your rational mind and allowing information to come through you that doesn't seem to be yours, that it's, it's coming from someplace else. And that can be music, that can be um, channeled words. Um, but the key to clear audience is that it involves words or music sometimes. You've, you've also had that happen to you. You've had that voice well, speaking voice. to you. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, I can't wait for us to expand upon this and, and maybe even to have a, a complete program. On the clear audience? Well, I do because I think it's extremely important. Mm. I, I consider myself to be a very average, very normal person, <laughs> believe it or that. not. With, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> absolutely a normal guy. And yet, the, when I've had that voice phenomena it, again this has only happened ever since i've been tied up with this research but it can it does always come out of nowhere i've probably had no more than a dozen to 15 in my life but when they come they are profound they're single sentences they're clear voices and they come either with suggestions or an instruction and mm -hmm. each time i've you might say complied mm -hmm. because they made sense when i heard them and they've made they've, they've been They've represented pivotal points, not just to me, but to many people who are unaware that I received information to do what I did, to say what I said. Even the 2080 of, you know, the 80% the man-made crop circles back in 2000 on that television interview, which I did, I was, I'm going to say, instructed to say that. It's a, a bizarre, very bizarre phenomenon. Um, and I, I know others, well-known people that I've spoken to about this have the same experience. They just don't talk about it. And I understand that because voices in the head can be schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. they, they, that, let's face it, there's a certain amount of courage comes with divulging the, some of these things. Because, uh, you know, you're just looking at your character, your personality, you know, what people think of you. Uh, but if, if we're going to get anywhere with any of this, we've got to be honest, straight, you know, straightforward, um, transparent. Okay, and that's actually a really interesting and important point that we have to be honest. And we have to be honest about our intuition as well, because intuition does not necessarily mean truth. What you receive intuitively is important and it gives you direction and it gives you a bigger piece of the truth but it is still received through your own lens and so it's still received through your own bias and your perceptions are, are skewered by your past when you haven't cleared your own emotional trauma or your own um, strong leanings then you're going to interpret the information you get through that lens and so again grounding centering 
creating boundaries, clearing. Those are all practices that we have to use on a daily basis if we're going to begin to depend on intuition to lead us in our life. And so, you know, again, if you want help with that, you can check out some of my books um, and, and classes because that that's my love. <laughs> so um, another important thing about intuition and what we tend to do is that, you know, if we go back to the, to the stipulation that this is a hologram and each of us has a unique perspective within that hologram, what's true for one person isn't necessarily going to be true for another because we're seeing different parts of the whole. And all of it is necessary to know the whole, but it isn't necessarily a universal truth. And, uh, and you know, there are certainly, it is certainly true to say that much of what we see in the outer world is a reflection of our own inner world. And some people believe it's all a reflection of our own inner world. But if we don't know ourselves, and we don't know what it is that we're projecting outward, then we can't trust our intuitive process. So self-knowledge and honesty is essential. And then there's this whole other thing that happens, which is because we are different parts of the hologram, we can be standing in the same place mm-hmm. and experience something different. And, you know... Oh, boy. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, you it's a ahead? beauty. Yeah, it's that. a beauty. But you can feel, you see, the adrenaline lifts in me even just hearing the uh, the terminology associated with it. Yeah, I mean, th- this this is an absolute baffler. And one looks at the scientists, people like Dean Radin, who might mm. have a view on this, and I'm sure he will have a view on this, um, you know, shortly in an upcoming program. But we had about 50, this is just one example. Uh, Stephen Greer is known to most people here, I'm sure, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer. Uh, He had compiled a a process, a vectoring process, basically through meditation, but to um, focus upon the location and focus upon vectoring uh, unexplained flying objects into the vicinity basically it was that well he put brought uh, about 25 people across from the united states to a field near um silbury hill near silbury hill in wiltshire england this is back a few years ago i had about the same number from cpr international the organization we put together to research the crop circles right back in the beginning in 83 cpr so we put these people brought these people together stephen and i were there ourselves and stephen led this by by the pro the process that i've described and suddenly uh, in low cloud, we we did given up on seeing anything because it was very low, misty cloud. There was a very light drizzle falling on our arms and you know, and our heads. It was not a clear night by any means. But suddenly, dashing through the cloud at the lower level of the clouds was a, a light, a white light. Now I'm describing it as I saw it, and to about half of that group intermingled into one bunch of people saw exactly the same as, as I did, a white light flashing through the sky and splitting in two directly over our heads. The other half, and again, this could be a guy stood or a woman stood next to you or in front or behind you, we described it to, you know, we, we went through everybody there present and approximately half saw a cherry red light this side of the cloud flash moving through at speed very similar over the tops of our heads the others including myself a bright white light splitting into these are two different situations we're describing here clearly something happened seen differently by different individuals but only two sets two groups two events 
you know, paired from one. Well, you think about that and then you think trying to discern what is your personal truth versus what is a larger truth and yeah. it becomes harder and harder. It certainly does. It would be interesting to know if there was something similar about the makeup of all of the people in one group and the makeup of all the people yeah, in the other group. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done there. Certainly what we can say is that it's never really okay to think that our truth is the only truth or the most important truth. And, I, you know, I recently talked with someone who essentially said that um, I had to take his word on, on something because a psychic had told him that it was his time to come out as an intuitive. And, you know, Marcus Aurelius, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to a Marcus Aurelius quote, opinion is not fact and perception is not truth. In other words, what we receive intuitively does not is not necessarily um, universal and we need to all of us stay very um, clear within ourselves about where we're going and what we're doing and and how we are projecting our own beliefs into the world so in the end always hold to the importance of your intuitive information while being flexible and allowing your intuition to lead you to deeper questions always going to deeper questions rather than um, definitive answers and I, I don't think we have time Colin to go deeply into dowsing so dowsing one of the ways that we can kind of verify our our inner truth or I mean our inner intuition is through a process called dowsing which is taking a tool like a metal rods or, or pendulums or even just using the movement of your body to, to give you indications of, of answers and basically what these are are idiomotor techniques in other words your subconscious mind knows the answer your conscious mind does not and the subconscious mind sends to you through imperceptible muscle tensions um, an indicator and so Colin is particularly good at dowsing and we've had we use the rods a, a lot I don't know that well so one, at one point I took him to Longleat to a, a labyrinth and it's the most extensive labyrinth in England in, in, the, world. in the world it's the long, longest one, 1. 1.7 miles of pathways 16,000 yew trees are carved out to make this the largest one in the world so we were kind of going as a joke just to have fun being there but Colin didn't realize I had hidden his dowsing rods in my purse and when we got into the labyrinth I took them out and handed them to him and at first you were quite angry at me well it kind of was because it came out of nowhere and I was just relaxing for the day but I took the rods and you asked me today is my way out I think out. you thought I was testing you I think it felt that way yeah. somewhat but I was pleased to say <laughs> that the inner strength of the dowsing rods took me directly to the exit as you know even though you were kind of telling me that wasn't the way. Well, he didn't have a single wrong turn. And then we, as we made our way through and every single turn did not lead to a dead end, we got to this last turn that had a long, long, long pathway and there was kids running from the other direction. And I thought that they were running from the other direction because it was a dead end. And so I said, no, that's the wrong way. You yeah, turn around and go back. Not- the rods would not let him turn around and go back. They kept turning no. and coming back. And so in the end, he was right. And his dowsing well, rods. The, yeah, the rods were right. And, and you did not know that. No, that, I had no yeah. idea. No idea. Well, we are at the end of our show. It went by really quickly. I hope you learned something. If it went by too fast, it's all on my website. You can go and get all that information, explorationsandenergy.com. 
And next week, be sure to tune in for Teokas and Ghost Horse. It is going to be an extraordinary program. We cannot wait to talk to him. He's a really good friend, and he has a lot to say. So we will see you next week. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. Exploring Beyond the Edge is heard every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until our next program, Dr. Cynthia Andrews wishes you a great week. 